Hello, good morning, happy birthday voice. Woo! We made it. We made it through the pandemic. It is a miracle and a celebration worth having today. So I'm so happy to see you guys here. I just want to thank you all for being here and just celebrating with us all of the wins and all of the making it through the crazy chaos of this last year and a half, especially this last year. But I just want to say I'm grateful. I'm just grateful to be here. I'm grateful that we live to fight another day. We still have the chance to go and reach more people. We have the chance to just share the gospel and be a voice to our community. And I'm just, I'm grateful. I love you guys all so much. We're just looking around the room, just <laughs> gets me a little bit emotional, but I'm not going to cry today. It's my promise to you. So, but first, just want to say thank you to a few people. First and foremost, our elders, if you can just raise your hand. I know you love attention. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you. Our elders have, like, spiritually carried this church for the last, through this whole three years. And honestly, we would not be standing here talking. I would not be standing here would it not, had it not been for their support. And just know they pray for you guys so diligently. They love this church. They love you. And they, yeah, they have held it down. So I just want to say thank you to them. Dream team, if you're a dream team, can you raise your hand at any level? If you have served on any area of the church, yes, raise your hands. It's okay. Yes, you deserve it. We give everybody a high five. <laughs> they have been working hard, like both online and in person, to create an experience so we could keep having church even when there was no physical church. Um, they've worked so hard. Um, and the kids team, ooh, they deserve some high fives. They had to learn how to, like, make videos and all kinds of things this year. So, man, everybody pivoted so well. And lastly, just I want to thank the small group leaders. So, uh, small group leaders, if you could raise your hands really fast. Yep, raise them up. Up, loud and proud. Do it. Yep. <laughs> Jimmy and Tay, I know you didn't raise your hands. But... <laughs> They just buy them a drink, buy them a meal, give them gifts because honestly, they have been the strength of this church. They have loved so well, they have cared so hard for you guys, and they, ha I mean, they're tired. So just <laughs> get, buy them a gift because they deserve it. They've been amazing this year. So thank you. If I missed somebody, please tell me. I, but I'm so thankful for all of the people who make this place run and who make this a place that we can come and worship together every week and just to be a community to love each other well so thank you guys um so today it honestly it feels like an end of an era for two reasons one because we just like we held it through the end and it feels like a new dawn is kind of coming around the horizon i don't know if you guys feel that but um it just feels like there's new fresh life and talk and i have like fresh vision for the next year and we're excited but it also feels like the end of an era because it literally is the end of hello my name is jesus series today <laughs> yes <laughs> you can clap so we're actually finally going to end this series it's been like a year and a half that we've been <laughs> on this series it's last week here we go so we're going to make this a good one. <laughs> All right, so we are going to jump right in. But for those of you who haven't been a part of this series, hello, my name is Jesus. We've been just reading the book of Luke from the very beginning to the very end. And we have just been talking about what Jesus actually did and what he actually said. Instead of just like hearsay or like, you know, sometimes Christians have weird interpretations of what Jesus said and did. 
But we are just looking at exactly what he said and did and just learning and diving deep into what it meant for that time and how that matters for us today. And so we are we're going to dive into the very end. And last week um, we had talked about how the angels had appeared to the Marys and then Jesus appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And so we're going to just jump right in from there and find out what happened after that. So then if you want to open up with your Bibles, you can. It's going to be Luke 24, 35 is where we're going to start. But it's also going to be right up here on the screen. So if you didn't bring your Bibles or if your Bible is a different version than mine, just watch the screen. It's all good. We can still follow along together. So let's jump right in. So here we go. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was st suddenly standing there right among them. Peace be with you, he said. So it's just I'm just going to like take a little break before we go on here. But side note, this is the primary way that the gospel was spread because we would all, they would have an experience with Jesus and then they would go and tell somebody else about it. And the thing I love about this story is that they went and told somebody about it, and Jesus gets itchy ears. He's like, oh, you're talking about me? I'm going to show up. <laughs> so I love it because in both of the story, last week and this week, as soon as they started talking about Jesus, he appeared. He showed up. And that's so cool for us because it, it doesn't matter who we're sharing our experience with Jesus about or if we're doing a terrible job or a great job. doesn't matter. He's, he gets itchy ears, and he shows up. He wants to be there. So even if you're like, I, I fumble over my words, I don't know what I'm saying to people, he's like, it's all good. I'm here. I'll help you out. <laughs> and he shows up to them. So moving on, uh, he says, but then the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands and look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he then showed him his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, but filled with joy and wonder. And then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he ate it as they watched. I'm guessing they're all just like, waiting to see if it like drops through. <laughs> and then, <laughs> oh, I lost my spot. Um, he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and raise from the dead the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness for sin for all who repent. And now I want to send you the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany, and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshipped him, and then they returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy, and they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. So the first thing I want to point out about this, this passage is that Jesus revealed himself differently to each group, right? So the very first one we saw the women, and you know what? <laughs> I can totally identify this. They got to see the dazzling robes. 
And I'm like, oh, yes, of course you showed the women the dazzling robes because we appreciate that. <laughs> so he showed up to the women, but not, I'm just kidding, it's not really why. That he showed up to them because if you think about Mary and who she was, she was always the first one there. She was the, always the first one ready to receive whatever Jesus had to say. She was like, followed him around everywhere. Her sister got mad at her because she was supposed to be helping cook the meal. And she was like, no, I have to hear what Jesus is saying. She was always the first one there. She always was filled with wonder and waiting for him to say something amazing. And so she got like the best one of all, right? There, that was Mary. But then the next group, they were heartbroken. We learned about that last week. They were heartbroken. And Jesus showed up for them in the middle of their heartbreak. And, and I, I love that he actually didn't even say who he was for a while. He just lets them like vent. They're like, don't you know, it was so sad. All this happened. Blah, blah, blah. And sometimes we just need to vent, right? We just need to like tell God how we're feeling. We're like, this was so sad and it was so horrible. And, what, and he's like, yeah, I know. But hey, here I am. <laughs> and then he's like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah, there you are. You're alive. It's amazing. But these ones, these, this last group, they were still doubting whether or not Jesus had actually come back from the dead. And so Jesus was welcoming their doubts. He's like, I know how you need to see me. You need me to reveal myself to you in your doubt. And I love that about him because he's not afraid of our questions. And not only is he not afraid of our questions, he's like, let me give you double proof. You didn't even ask me to see my hands and feet, but I'm going to show you. Also, I'm going to show you that the food's not going to fall through my body, <laughs> right? I, which I think is the funniest thing ever, but he, he gave them double proof. And sometimes, have you ever felt like that where you're like, Jesus, I, I need you to show me a sign. If you are real, show me that you're in this. How many of you have done that before? I totally have done that. And sometimes he gives me ones I don't want. But <laughs> he always shows up in one way or another. He always shows up. He doesn't leave you wondering. He wants to reveal himself to you. So it, then it says he opened their minds to understand. But the thing that I want to point out about that is that he opened their minds after they had already been through the pain, right? They had already had to go through the pain and they had to go through the past. He had to remind them, okay, let's talk about the scriptures. Remember what it says here and you remember what it says there and you remember what it says there. And then they're like, oh, okay. Because how many of you know sometimes we can read the scripture and you're like, cool, cool, this, I don't know what they're talking about. And then you live it and you're like, oh, yes. Now I get it. I, now I know why he was saying that. And that's what's happening here. It's Jesus is going, you guys went through that whole thing. You went through all that pain. And then so did I. And then he, re he reminded them and showed them that he was there with them all along. But sometimes we have to go through it to get it. Right? So he opens their mind. But I, I love that Jesus doesn't want us to be left in the dark. He doesn't want us to be confused. He comes right through and he gives us power, love, and a sound mind. We don't have to worry about it because he's gracious to connect the dots, even when we don't get it, even when we don't understand it. We're right in the middle of the pain. We're right in the middle of the storm, and we're like, I cannot see the end of this. And he's like, just hang on with me through the end. I'll show you <laughs> when it's over what I was doing. Then lastly, he gives them a mission to preach repentance and the forgiveness of, the sin of sins. 
So that's what he does with us too. He gives us a mission. We don't really get to get out of that. Sorry, guys. We got to <laughs> preach. We need to preach the gospel. And then he blessed them to give them what they needed to do the mission. And sometimes I think that's the scariest part for us because we're like, okay, you want me to preach the gospel to people? Do you want me to like get up on a stage? What do you, how do you want me to do this, right? But he always looks at, us, looks at us and he's like, no, you don't have to have the most eloquent speech. You don't have to have Romans memorized. You don't have to do all of those things. Just tell people what you've gone through and I'll give you the Holy Spirit to help you, to give you the words, to help you know what to say. Because you're just sharing life with people. That's, like we said at the beginning, that's the best way the gospel is spread. It's by us sharing our testimonies, us sharing what God has done in our life. Now, some of you guys don't know this, but you might have seen us uh, last week rolling our suitcases out of here, like, right after church. <laughs> and you're like, what are they doing? Where are they going? Well, Taka and myself and Madison decided that we were going to take a trip to Honduras <laughs> right after church last week. So, yes, we were gone. If you couldn't get a hold of me this week, that's why I was <laughs> out of the country. And um, we, I'll, we'll talk about it another time, why we were there more. But um, we wanted to check out a ministry there and see what they were doing. And so I, as I was, like, preparing the message for today, I kept just asking God to, like, speak to me about it. Like, what do you want me to reveal to these people? Give me some kind of, like, cool word, right? And <laughs> all week long, nothing. Nothing at all. I'm, like, coming back to the church, and I'm, like, I have nothing. I, have n I don't know. I don't have anything. So I'm like, surely I'm going to see something cool. These people are doing this amazing ministry. I'll see something cool. It'll be amazing. Nothing. So uh, we get to the last day, like literally the last day. We're about to leave the last place that we're visiting. And it's like we're just like going through the obligatory, like the pastor is like showing us through his building. He's like, look at this storage closet. It has rooms. And we're like, cool. And then they're like, <laughs> let me just show you my office. And we're like, I don't care about the office. <laughs> but okay, let's go see the office. So we walk in and we see the office. And he goes, well, you guys will notice my office is really clean because I'm never in here. And we're like, oh, cool. And then he's, he goes, well, I'm never in here because I'm always either out with the kids um, in the school or I'm working on this other project of mine. Now, this project w had nothing to do with while we were there. We didn't. It literally was like a total side thing that he just decided he was going to do. And so really unprompted, <laughs> he started talking, and we're like, oh, man, what's he going to say? And so because <laughs> some of the places we had visited, some of the pastors were just like telling us like everything about their ministry, and we're like, didn't need to know any of that, but thanks for sharing. And so we're like, okay, here we go, probably going to be the same thing. This is not how I am with all of you, I promise. It just was, <laughs> it was kind of a long, like, day, and we'd been just kind of, it was dragging a little bit. And so um, he just starts talking to us, and we're like, okay, here we go. Let's listen to the story. But as he starts telling us this story, I'm like, eyes popping out of my head, jaw dropping. I'm like, this is amazing. I ended up leaving totally faith-filled, and it reminded me a lot of this story. And so I'm going to share it with you today, and it's, I hope it blesses you the same way that blessed me. But he starts telling us, he goes, well, I started this other project. He goes, I love this ministry because we're doing a lot for the kids in the city right here. But I really wanted to do something for the orphans that live here because there's a lot of children who just don't have any parents and they just run the streets. And we want to make sure that they're taken care of and they need to get out of the gangs. 
And he said, well, it really all started, I started this project because before I got into ministry, right when I had given my life to the Lord, I was actually a businessman, and I owned a construction company. And I was witnessing, I was telling people about Jesus at my work. And my bosses found out, and they fired me. But it was really bad timing because my wife was pregnant, and she was about to have the baby. And so right as he was being fired, she was in the hospital having the baby. And it took away, they took away, like, his insurance. They took away his equipment that he had brought to the job. He had, like, nothing. So he had no money, no insurance. And so he literally had to go to the hospital, get his wife right after they had the baby, and go home. And they had nothing. And so it was so hard. It was so devastating for him because he literally lost everything for sharing the gospel. And so him and his wife were like, okay, we're going to make sure this doesn't happen with our next baby. We're going to prepare we're going to make sure that we have, you know, more money so we can pay for at least the hospital bill when we leave. So they have the second baby. They get to the hospital. They had saved up a bunch of money. But still, they got charged all this extra charges for the second child. And so they it ended up being so much money that they had to pay it off for a long time. The same thing happened to Taka and I. So I'm like, I'm feeling you, brother. Like, we got paid. <laughs> we paid so much money to have our children. But he is like, it took us so long. We almost didn't make it, but we finally made it to the other side. And again, we said with our third baby, we're going to make sure we have everything. So they were like prepared. They had all of the money saved to pay for the hospital bill in cash. They had the entire nursery furnished, which is a really big deal there. And so um, they had the whole nursery furnished, and they had all the clothes up until the baby was five years old. So they're like, we are ready. This is not going to happen Again, we're going to be prepared for this baby. And so um, they, they have the baby. He's born, and everything's working out great. He comes home, and two weeks after he's born, he dies in his crib. I know. I'm like, I'm going to cry already. <laughs> it was, like, crazy. And so he was obviously devastated, and he was like, Lord, I had nothing when I had the other two sons, like nothing. And now I finally have everything that I need. And you take this baby away from me. He's like, what is happening? Why are you doing this to me? And he said that the Lord just spoke to him and he said, you have a choice right now. You can either be mad at me or you can love me more. And he's like, what? And he goes, you can be mad at me or you can love me more. And he said at that moment, he felt like God said, you can have everything you need financially, but be completely dead on the inside. But when you trust me, even when you have nothing, you are fully alive. And so he said that he really felt like at that moment, he was supposed to go out and give all of his stuff away to the orphans and to the kids in the streets that didn't have anything. So they took their whole, all their nursery and everything. And it was in that moment that he was kind of got addicted to that. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I know what it's like to be there. I know what it's like to have nothing. And so he started giving more and more away, and they started this school that we were visiting, and uh, they planted a church. And, and out of that, he actually was like, I'm going to do more because some of these kids have, kid, have parents, but a bunch of these kids have nothing and no one. And so he's, he said, I'm going to start an entire orphanage for these children and he named it after his son. And he said, these kids are going to have everything just like my son, my last son had. And he's made it his mission and his goal 
to make sure that these kids have everything. And so, like, out of the blue, we were all just like, this is not in our plan. We're all like, can we see it? So we all got in the car, and we drove all the way there. I did not give the um, team a picture of it, but this orphanage was like something you would hear, see here in the state. It was beautiful, state-of-the-art, beautiful, brand-new everything. They were building a huge playground, something that, like, none of the kids around there had. And so all of this came through his pain of losing his son. And he was so amazing because what he said was, when you step out in faith first, he goes, I didn't have the money to build this. I just had the vision for it. God just told me that if you'll bless people out of your pain, if you will just commit to do it out of faith, I'll take care of the rest. So he starts going, he just starts doing it and sharing his faith with people in the bars and around the city. And all these people started coming to know the Lord because of the story that he shared. And they were construction workers, and they were people who had materials, and literally all of the materials got donated for his center. And the people in his church are literally building the church, digging the trenches, like pouring the concrete, doing all of it. And he said, don't wait for a millionaire for God's vision to come true. Just walk the streets, love people, share my vision, share the gospel, and God will do the rest. Step out in faith. And we're all just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Just like so, so built up because, you know, we're sitting here. I'm like, y'all are going to have a building before we do. You know, like you're housing all of these children, and it's incredible. But I couldn't help um, but see the parallels in this story to the passage that we just read. Because this pastor, he brought all of his doubts to God. And as he is always, he was so gracious with him about his, his pain and how he could turn that pain into a blessing. And then he opens our mind and he gives us the proof that we need, right? He, he opened his mind the moment that he started walking in faith and giving the kids those things. But only if we choose to trust his plans because we can choose to be mad at him when things go wrong or we can choose to love him more. And it's up to us, and it's hard sometimes to choose to love him more when things aren't going our way. But can we trust that he has a good plan? And I can't imagine what would have happened if he didn't choose that. So then he gives us the the mission, and he blesses us with everything that we need to do it. And so I just, I think of that, and I think of the story of our church. We've been through a lot. <laughs> We've been through a lot. And, but you know what? The mission has never changed for us. Even when the format and all the different things had to change, the mission never changed. And God wants to equip us to go forward. This is not the end. This is just the beginning of what he wants us to do. So, Just like in our mission statement, we're called to live by faith. That means we're going to have to step out and do some things that feel a little bit uncomfortable to us. And that means that we're going to have to do things before we have the finances for them sometimes, right? We want to be known by love. What are we going to be known for as we go into the future? I want us to be known by love and generosity. And we want to be known as a voice of hope. So I always want to ask us, how are we? using our story to bring hope to other people because our faith should cause us to improve the lives of others. So Jesus has entrusted 
all of us now with the keys to the kingdom. And so, uh, Taka, I want to invite you forward, and we just want to talk a little bit about what that means for us as we go forward as a church. So, Taka, come on up. Awesome. Yeah, so with that, that pastor, actually, the orphanage that he uh, created, it's three stories uh, tall. They were going to put a big pool in the back, and it's like, I'm like, I'll live here. Like, this is, am- <laughs> this is amazing. And he, he, they call the project the City of the Children. Isn't that cool? City of the Children. These kids that were literally living on the streets are now going to have, like, the best place to live in the city. Um, pretty cool. So we'll tell you more about that as we go forward. But um, I was actually looking at my notes while Natalie was speaking, and I was like, when did we actually start this series, you know? And it was August 11th, 2019. I kid you not. So it's been over two years that we've been in the series, and we are officially ending it today. Um, before we go over this, uh, some of you guys may know uh, if, you're con- if you are uh, Korean or connected to someone that is uh, Korean, there's this, this, this um, tradition of the one-year birthday, right? Uh, I don't re- I remember glimpses of my one-year birthday, actually, in a weird way. Uh, but those of you guys that have been a part of one, it is a, it is a thing, right? Sometimes your one-year birthday, it rivals uh, weddings uh, and how much it costs and that kind of thing. Our kids didn't experience that because we're in ministry. We're like, hey, we're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese. All right, so that's how, that's how this is going to work. Uh, we'll tell you about the traditions later. Um, but the whole reason why is because it, it, it went back to a time when um, there was extreme poverty. And, this, and the country was war-torn. So... It was a big deal for a child to get to one years old. And the thinking was if a child got to one, there was a good chance that uh, he, he or she was going to make it. And so why I bring that up is uh, you know, about a month or so ago, I was having lunch with some pastor friends of mine. Uh, we go back in ministry 20, 22 years, and they both lead really large congregations. And I was like, tell me about how COVID has impacted your guys' churches. And they said, yeah, man, like COVID has brought us back five years. Uh, and I was like, wow, that must be really hard. Uh, but w- what if your church is younger than five years old? <laughs> you know, so you may have gone from 4,000 down to 2,500. Uh, but w- I feel like we're like a fetus at, at that point. You know what I mean? So, uh, but by God's grace, we're here. You know, and uh, I feel like every other week I'm talking to uh, somebody that planted around the same time as us who is wondering if there's anybody that needs to buy a bunch of church equipment because their church shut down. Or they need to know what they need to do because their marriage is falling apart because of the stress of, of planting a young church. And I just want to say I'm grateful. I'm so grateful, you know, for you guys, for who we are, for who we're becoming. And so we're going to celebrate that by going through this little trifold real quickly. And then I got some thoughts uh, where we go from here. So... Some of you guys have already read this, I know. Uh, like I said, I would be too. There's no judgment. Um, there's a really amazing letter on the left-hand side. You're probably going to want to frame it, uh, put it over your bed, and read it often. Uh, that's on the left-hand side. Uh, in, in the middle are just a few w- ways that you guys have served. Obviously, this past year, serving opportunities are extremely limited uh, because I don't know if you heard of this thing called COVID. Uh, has been around. It's It's been around. Uh, it, I may have t- heard it talked about in the news and stuff. So, uh there are very few opportunities to serve, and so there's not a ton there, but we've done our very best because while there have been uh, maybe less events, there haven't really been less needs. Uh, the needs have just shifted in, into different ways. One thing you actually can be praying about, um, we're looking at potentially partnering with some ministries in Southeast Asia. See, when poverty hits 
different parts of the world, it, it fleshes out in different ways, right? So in maybe in South or Central America, uh, poverty will look at look like homelessness or alcohol abuse or the kind of the disruption of the family. A lot of times in Southeast Asia, when you have uh, poverty, you actually increases human trafficking. Uh, that's like a, a major indicator. And so we're working with some ministries you always have, but we're going to look at partnering even deeper. Uh, with trying to figure out how we can help in a real practical way. And I asked one of the ministries that we're looking at working with, what does that look like in, like, say, the Philippines or Cambodia, uh, Bangladesh specifically? And they said that it used to be human traffickers buying the children from parents, but now because of the pandemic and the world shut down, the brothels were somewhat shut down, and so now parents are trafficking their own kids. Uh, and not only in person, but literally setting up webcams and now prostituting their children uh, through the internet. And it's just a crazy thing. So we're figuring out a way to really help with that on a practical level. So we're sponsoring a few people. We'll, we'll walk you through that, but we're, we're gonna announce some things here in the next couple months about how we can help in a more practical way, um, both in person and uh, virtually through sending some funds. So uh, City of Tustin, some events there, Young Lives. Uh, we sponsor several girls to go to camp, mentored teen parents. We taught parenting classes. and we. Um, yeah, took care of all the meals for the last, uh, their first, I think the last time they met before the pandemic, and then the first time they met after the pandemic, we sponsored their, their meeting. So way to go, church. Some missionaries on the right-hand side, we support. Uh, just so you know who they are, if, if you're new to the church, or maybe uh, you don't know who these people are, like Josh and Carrie Woolley, what are they doing? Let me give you a snapshot of what these people are doing and what you're giving to. So whether you're giving to these individuals or, or not, if you give to the church, you're giving through the church to these individuals. So what we do as a church is we give probably about 12% of every dollar that comes in, we give it away. And you're about to see some organizations that we do that with. Uh, Josh and Carrie Woolley, they're in Ecuador, so the Andes Mountains as well as the jungle. There's about 100,000 people who have never heard the gospel before in that area. So they are there doing that. So they're literally in like the bush. You know, uh, it's it's pretty wild. So we support them. Uh, Nick and Heather Durek, they're in Chiang Mai, Thailand. They're working on the front lines with an organization called Zoe, which rescues uh, children out of human trafficking, boys and girls, and then begins the process of community therapy, rehabilitation, job training to get them back on their feet as a productive member of society. So that is, it's an amazing organization. That's Nick and Heather. Uh, Joanne is in Cambodia. Uh, what she's doing is trying is working with individuals who need speech therapy as well as with an NGO to get speech therapy recognized by the government to receive government funding. The reason why that's important is if you have a speech impediment in that in the villages that she's working with, you're done. You're destined to be homeless or live in poverty because you are second class. So if she can get speech therapy, if this NGO can get speech therapy recognized and then there's funding so that these young children can have an opportunity to be on par with everybody else, have equity. So we believe that is a God thing. Um, if any of our kids have speech issues, we would get them a speech therapist, right? So we want to do the same thing for God's children in Cambodia. So that's uh, them. Church plants we support, City House Church, Mike and Tiff Orda. Uh, they're launching in the winter sometime. Uh, so uh, I'm sure whatever, we'll keep you guys updated on how they're doing, but we support them with $10,000, and I, I know a lot of you guys are actually supporting them individually as well. On the day that they launch, Voice Church will probably be pretty low in attendance because we're all going to fly out and visit the Siberian tundra of uh, Milwaukee <laughs> together. Uh, 
Uh, and then we also have, uh, support Rise Church Planting, uh, supporting church plants, church plants on both sides of the Pacific. So, uh, yeah, a good amount uh, there. And then organizations locally, we support Young Lives, again, teen parents, uh, supporting them. That's about $2,000. Waymakers, which is a uh, youth shelter for at-risk uh, individuals. Uh, that's we support them and then spark church software you're wondering what that is they provide uh it's a missions organization that provides software uh to churches to help them pastor well and it's really what it comes down to so that's what you guys have been a part of whether you know it or not um so thank you for being a part of a generous church we're about to go out and eat tacos and all that kind of good stuff uh, out there but i want to walk you through um kind of how we're going to end uh, Hello, My Name is Jesus and what that means for us as a church family uh, going forward. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, right? Makes sense. That was part one of a two-part, uh, it's not a trilogy, duology. I don't know what that is. Uh, so uh, two-part series, right? Uh, the second book is called Acts, A-C-T-S, not A-X-E. That'd be a really different book. Uh, A-C-T-S, the Acts of the Apostles. In other words, what did the apostles do? So he wrote part two of that. And part two begins with a recap of part one. So almost like a, if you're watching a TV show and they're like previously on Lost or whatever you're watching, right? That's kind of how Acts starts out. And then it goes into these couple of verses. So Natalie just talked about how, you know, Jesus said some stuff and then ascended. It was very kind of vague about what Jesus talked about. Luke comes back in the, gospel, in the book of Acts and says exactly what Jesus said. And that's what we're going to kind of cap on and end with this. Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 6 through 8, it says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has a time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They still thought that he was going to be an uh, earthly ruler, overthrow Rome, restore the kingdom, happily ever after. Verse 7, it says, He replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. Right? Verse 8, you, but, you, but you will receive power. So I can't tell you the answer to your question. It's not for you to know. But I can tell you this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In other words, you will represent me, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout, throughout Judea, and then got caught off, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what it says. <laughs> Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's what that means. Growing up, uh, my parents had a Chevy Celebrity uh, uh, station wagon. It was a beauty, right? Uh, and you guys had, like, grew up in a, in a station wagon? Like, they, not literally like, live in a station wagon, but grew up going on road trips in the station wagon, right? Like, we didn't fly places. Why, why fly to Jellystone Park when you can drive? You guys even know what Jellystone Park? It's camping, uh, but Yogi Bear walks around. I, I wish I was making this up. Yogi Bear and I think, what was his little, boo-boo? Bummer of a name. So uh, they would come visit your campsite. Some college kid dressed up as Yogi Bear in 80-degree weather is visiting your campsite. And whenever we would drive somewhere, we would be sitting in the back seats. Not the second seats, but the third row seats that are facing the rear window. It was like, <laughs> it's like so unsafe. Right? Not only is it unsafe in the, in, in the event of a rear uh, end collision, it was very awkward for my brother and me to be sitting in this back seat, facing the back window, just staring at the people who are dri driving behind us the whole time, just going, 
hey, man, I don't, I don't want this any more than you. <laughs> but we're just like, you know, <laughs> having staring contests for hours. Um, but inevitably, we would like be telling my parents, you know, yelling up front, are we there yet, right? Are we there yet? And as much as we hated being in the car, we would say that when we were kids, when we got older and had kids, I don't know if they got the memo too, but they would say, are we there yet? Are we there yet? When will we get there? And then I find out that I'm more like my dad every day, and I would say things like, we're closer than we were before, you know? And we say things like, just be here. They're on their phones, right? We didn't have any. We had like blocks of wood to entertain us growing up, right? So they, they have the, the devices that they keep charged, and they're literally just glued to this thing, just, you know, hating their life when we go through a no cell phone, you know, zone, like there's the worst life ever. And then meanwhile, all around them are like beautiful scenery, right? And Nally and I'll be like, Nally Moore, she's like, Look, girls, look at the clouds, look at the trees, look at the rocks. And I was like, this like grunting, you know. <laughs> and what we want as parents to do is go, just don't worry about getting there. Like, be here. You're missing so much good stuff because you're so focused on being there instead of being here. This is what's happening with the disciples. They're asking Jesus, when are we going to get there? They're worried about the schedule, the timeline. You know, when is this going to happen? Jesus was worried about their faithfulness. Jesus goes, no, 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 don't worry about the schedule. Don't worry about the timeline. Don't worry about when X and Y is going to happen. You know, the future has this uncanny way of becoming the present. It'll get here. Don't worry about the schedule. You worry about your faithfulness. We're the same way, right? Like we wonder... God, when will such and such a thing happen? When will the career change, the move, the relationship, the financial thing, whatever the goal is, whatever thing you're looking for, God, when is that going to happen? What's the timeline? How long will this take? When are we going to get there, God? And God's like, listen, that's not for you to know. I got some questions for you. What kind of person are you? Who are you becoming as a person? Who are you? And then who are you becoming? What are your current habits forming in your heart? Can people see me by the way you live? Are you living in such a way that makes me clear? Are you being faithful and putting me first, even when it's hard? See, being faithful to what God has asked you to do, being faithful to what God has asked you to be, is going to take your full attention, right? People that are really critical about other people, just focus on you. And if you're focusing on you, you'll have plenty to work on, right? And if you're wondering, like, I don't know what I need to work on in my life, ask someone close to you. I'm sure you have a list, <laughs> right? You will need not only your full attention to work on you, you'll need the power of the Holy Spirit to bridge a giant gap, right? So I wonder, as a pastor, I know a lot of you guys that are close to us or been in the church for a while, you wonder some of these things, same things like, God, when will we get a building? Can we just be somewhere for a while and not have to like hop around to different locations? Like for a, a lot of the pandemic, we're like, man, if you can find us, you can come to church, right? <laughs> but we ask stuff like, you know, when will we get a building, God? Like, when will it happen? God, when are we going to be able to have the resources to hire the team we need to go to this next season. And I feel like over and over and as I read passages like this, God is going, don't worry about it. 
It'll happen when it happens. More important questions is, what kind of church are you? What kind of church are you? Because there are churches that have the things you want, but are not the kind of church that you want to be. So it's not about the destination. It's about the kind of church that you are. Are you as a church being faithful? Do people see me because of the way Voice Church lives? I just want to tell you on our third birthday, I'm proud of who we or what we've accomplished as a church. But way more than that, I'm proud of who we are as a church. I'm proud of who you are as a church family. This is the church I would attend. Haven't been able to say that for a long time. Not about this church, but, but you know, I want to be proud of the church I attend. And I am. I am. I'm proud of who we're becoming as a church. These are the moments when leaders are supposed to give strategy. And I, I love strategy. I used to have the, the one-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year plans. So I realized that the three, five, ten-year plans never worked out. And what COVID taught me is anything outside of two weeks doesn't work out. <laughs> so don't, don't plan too much. Focus on who you're going to be. Focus on your values. And let strategy take care of itself. So I'm not going to give us a bunch of strategy. I want to reframe what success is for us as a church. And here's my challenge to you, and I commit to doing this as well. Three quick things. Famous last words, three quick things, literally. Number one, my challenge to you, pursue God with all of your heart. Pursue God with all of your heart. Despite maybe some misconceptions or some hurt or pain or doubts or frustration, Pursue God with all of your heart. Lean into that relationship with him. If you're not in a relationship with God, or maybe you used to be and you've wandered away and you lost a bet so you find yourself back at church, lean in. Make that first step towards Christ. Maybe you are a professional Christian. You go to church all the time, but honestly, you're not even pursuing God. You just do church stuff. If you're not reading your Bible, you're not praying, you're not worshiping God, there is no reflection of your faith when it comes to the way you spend your finances, the way you spend your time. You just happen to go to church sometimes. Can I challenge you? Pursue God. Lean into your relationship uh, with Him. Worship with abandon. Think about, those of you guys that have been Christians for a long time, think about the passionate seasons of your life. Do those things. In Revelations, it talks about the, the, the group of followers who lost their first love. And you don't see God being all like, and this is why I'm ticked off at you. It's just, no, no, don't overthink it. Just do the things you used to do. Just go back and do the things you did at first. So no condemnation, no shame, no guilt. Just go back and do the things when you were really following Jesus. Worship. Some of you guys need to just go in your car so no one else can hear you because it's not a win if people hear you sing. So you can play some worship music. Just this week, I played some worship music that is embarrassing. My kids, if they heard it, would be like, that is the lamest song ever. Because it's like worship music from the 90s, right? And, but I love it. It triggers something in me. I needed this. So can I challenge you? Do that. Do that. Pray. Believe that God can do miracles. Trust God for healing. Trust God for provision, for guidance. But pursue God. Number two, represent Him well. 
Represent him. Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. What that means is Jerusalem is, this is where you live, boys. He was talking to the disciples. In your hometown, if it doesn't work where you live, don't export it. Start there. In your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, your school, your bowling league, whatever. Like whatever your like local thing is, start there. Represent me there. Then he says in Judea, which is the surrounding areas. So then go to the next area. Then he says Samaria, which is like those people. Those people are people that vote differently than you. They eat different food than you. They think differently. They believe different things than you. Go represent me to them as well. Don't proselytize them. Represent the values of the kingdom of God to them. So your hometown, the great area, those people, even your, the ones your parents said not to hang out with. And then when you're done with all that, then the rest of the world. But be my witnesses. Represent him well. Too many times the last year and a half, I'm sure you've felt this, is it was, it was too often that we saw people that claimed to be Christians that looked nothing like Jesus. That invoked the name of Jesus, but you couldn't tell by their actions that there was the values of Jesus happening there. When it's dark, light shines brighter. So shine, shine. You don't have to do much to stand out as a Christian around you. Just kind of live like Jesus and you'll look so different. So pursue God with all your heart. Represent him well. And lastly, be faithful to what he's asking you to do. Be faithful to what he's asking you to do. What people all the time will ask, how much am I supposed to give? I don't know. What's God asking you? We want the formula. God is not a formula. Am I supposed to do this or this? What is God asking you to do? Just do that. See, a lot of us, we want God to tell us something new. What God wants us to do is be faithful to what he's already told us to do. Right? Do what God's already asked you to do before you ask for something new. I wish that didn't rhyme because it sounds cheesy, but it, it, is, it is true. Lastly, let God worry about the timeline. You worry about your faithfulness. Let God worry about the timeline you worry about your faithfulness. We'll get there. You'll get there. Right? Worry about here, right now. Be faithful. Pursue God. Uh, if worship wants to come up, we'll, we're going to end by singing one last uh, song uh, together, and then we'll, we'll close out here. But uh, would you stand to your feet? Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing this uh, together. God, thank you for three years. God, thank you that you've not only uh, sustained us, but you've done so much in and through us in these last three years, in the middle of a worldwide pandemic that we are still in. God, we believe that you're gonna give us wisdom, strength, guidance. We believe that the best days of the church are still ahead of us, not behind us. But God, ultimately we commit not to growing some service number. We commit to not trying to just build a building. God, we commit to being your people, to doing our very best to represent you well. God, there's so many people in our sphere of influence that don't want anything to do with you or the church because of the way Christians in their life have acted. And God, we pray, would you help us to rewrite that narrative, to reframe who you are for them. But God, we need your help. Holy Spirit, on our best day, we can't do that. Would you 
help us supernaturally to love like you love, to be patient, to be gracious, to be humble, to be teachable, to be generous. So ultimately, heaven would be more popular. We thank you for it, God. And thanks for our birthday. In Jesus' name, amen.